0: Hello once again, hello, 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 once again. Pastor Brown from Akron Lions Fellowship on this Father's Day. And it is quite a time in history to be celebrating fathers. And fathers, (coughs) I want to encourage you. You are the foundation of our society of our families of our country without you all is lost but with you all is gained god has set for fathers in such a position to be honored and respected and to lead and to guide and i want to encourage every father out there From the best to the least, God intended more than what we could ever give if we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. As fathers, we have a difficult task. And often I hear today we have to grab hold of our young people. We have to teach our young people. Well, I want to say even more, we need to all be taught, young, old, because somewhere we've lost the meaning of manhood and what it is to be a father. It's one thing to bring children into this world, but it's another thing to stay with them train them, educate them, teach them, minister to them, guide them, develop them, all those things that a father must be willing and capable of doing. Let's pray and we're going to just look at what scripture may say. And there's much to be said about fathers, but we can't say it all in one message, but we want to encourage you over a couple of scriptures so here we go father would you guide us would you bless us would you minister to us would you call the men that you have called to be fathers would you also lord minister to them today and would you bless them oh god would you equip them to be the leaders the counselors the guides the priests and the provider, the protector in their homes. And Lord, would you help us, oh God, to be the men that you called us to be. Forgive me for my failures and my shortcomings. And Lord, thank you that I still have a privilege of learn, to learn what it is to be a father, to be a husband, to be a leader. So I ask, Lord, that you might minister to all of us, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Father, when you think of the word, what do you think about? And oftentimes, um, people come up with the word dad that is similar to father and so forth, but have a little different meaning. But the word father basically means to beget or to originate and also to acknowledge responsibility for and you would see that in the light of our heavenly father he is the one in a sense who have beget us or he originated us he is the inventor of us the creator of us he is the one who made us but more than that he acknowledges of responsibility for us. Boy, that is something. That my Heavenly Father doesn't run away from His responsibility. And that's part of that image that I am created like Him. That I don't run away from my responsibility, but that I am a Father who sees about that which I have In a sense, brought forth, begat, helped to make, and brought forth to train a son or a daughter that they might be the best they can be in this society. Now, understand that God is the only originator. He's the one who gave life. And why does Jesus say call no man father? He makes that statement, but then he also shares with us in another area, Matthew 15, where he tells us to honor the father and uh, to listen to the father in a sense that we are there to honor him. And in Matthew in verse 15 I'm sorry. 15.3. He says in verse 3, he says, Jesus replied, And why do you break the commandments of God? The commandments of God. Catch that. Why do you break the commandments of God? For the sake of your traditions. For God said, Honor your father and mother. No, uh, that you just said, Pastor Brown, that we should not call no man father. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But here in Scripture, he's telling us to honor your father and mother. So there must be a, another meaning. When he says, don't call any man father, there must be something else behind that besides just this here. Because now he's saying, only your father and mother. And who's calling them father and who's calling them mother? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, Jesus replied, and why do you break the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition?" For God said, honor your father and mother. Matthew fifteen four makes that very clear. Honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses his father takes it again. Anyone who curses his father or disrespects his father or mother must be put to death. But you say then, if a man say to his father, and I want you to catch how many times here we've used the word father. And Jesus is the one using it. And the Holy Spirit pins it for us. So, what is being said when he says in Matthew 23, and verse 9, when he's telling us, do not call anyone father. I mean, so what is he talking about? Well, let's see if we can dig into it just a little bit here. In verse 9 he said, And do not call anyone on earth Father, for you have one Father. You have one Father. And he is in where? Heaven. Don't call anyone Father, for you have one Father. You have one originator. You have one who have begotten humanity. There is no other God. There is no one else who have begotten you. It is our Heavenly Father. And what we don't do is give the same credence, worship, or value to our earthly father as we do to our Heavenly Father. And he's making a difference there. There's only one who really made you. And that is God. He's the one who fashioned you and put you together while you were in your mother's womb. Not your earthly father, but your heavenly father. And there's that distinguished distinguishes there's that area where it is different distinctively different. Now I finally got the word. Distinctively different between those two. For the earthly father shows for some similarities of the heavenly father in the area of responsibility and instructions and teaching and also in the area of bringing forth life but not the one who really gives life. Now those are the areas that we need to understand as we move along because too many men today do not pick up their responsibilities of being fathers and we need to understand that. It is a grave responsibility to beget a child and forget a child. God expects men to be fathers, to be husbands. And men, may I challenge you, especially young men, do not father a child until you are married and that you are equipped to be responsible for that child. And you are ready to take on ownership of that responsibility of a child. Do not father a child prior to. It's sin for number one. But number two, you make life much harder for a young lady and you make life much harder for yourself. And that winds up that a young lady has your child, but you do not marry her. It really makes life difficult for both. And sometimes we don't look at it from the area of the difficulties that take place between the young lady and the young man who fathers a child. And oftentimes we leave out, the pain and the hurt that a child goes through not knowing a father, and it's there. The stigma of being fatherless is all across our culture and our society, and the damage that it has caused mentally. is far beyond what we could even begin to speak or recognize. So I just want to encourage you. As men, as future fathers, as fathers, pick up your responsibility. And be willing to shoulder it as God leads you. And he will. And he will give you the stamina or the strength to be able to go forth and be the godly father he's called you to be. Again, the word father is to originate. Fathers are to permeate their families with the knowledge and the awareness of God. He is to speak of his heavenly father that it may be taught to his children in such a way that they respect and honor, not only him, but their godly father, their heavenly father. And the father is placed in position in order to permeate the family with the knowledge and the awareness of God as the true originator of everything of everything and that he's going to be acknowledged in all things of life now we have to come to a place that we're willing to accept that a father is to lead and to educate lead and to educate. God is an educator our heavenly Father is an educator our Heavenly Father is a leader. And that's the example that the earthly father takes on, being the leader and the educator in his household of his family. He speaks on behalf of his family. Boy, that's something. The privilege that he has to speak on behalf of his family. And yes, there comes a time that he loses that privilege as they become of age and those sons and daughters go off and uh, they start their own family. But he speaks on behalf of his family and while they're in his home, his family, his responsibility, he speaks on behalf of them. Now understand this because this is one of the areas that we have trouble with. Every one has a view. Everyone has an opinion about something, or a philosophy about something, or their way of thinking about something. One of the tasks of the father is to bring understanding out of this confused, mixed-up world that the child can have some understanding and direction on which way to live life. The father's goal is to bring understanding to the views so the next generation that his children know which views are best for them to live by. There are so many different philosophies, so many different views, so many different ways of thinking, so many different ways of seeing something that it becomes confusing. And the child is going to either learn at home or they're going to learn from a group that they run with or they're going to learn a world system. And the Father is the one who's supposed to point out and be an example to them of the right ways. Every view comes down to either it's a worldview or it's a biblical view. Either it will be a biblical thought, a biblical way of doing something, or it will be a worldly thought or a worldly way of doing something. And the father has the responsibility of teaching the biblical view, but if he doesn't know the biblical views on certain subjects and certain issues of life, he cannot teach them correctly to his children. All he can give to them is the philosophy of the world, Or the philosophy that he himself has adapted. Or adopted for himself. But that may not be the best. Way to live life. Or to go through a situation. Or to handle something. But the biblical view. Gives him a foundation. And also gives him. An, an inner spirit that will guide him and teach him the right way to live life. The Holy Spirit will do that, but one has to understand the Holy Spirit only acts through the Word of God. And oftentimes we don't want to trust that. There are many views. But are we willing to learn what the Word of God says in order to teach a proper view about life and how we should live it? Now, I want you to turn with me to Joshua 24, because I want you to hear what Joshua says. And and I want you to see the responsibility that Joshua takes on. And at this time Moses is dead in the area now leadership is Joshua many things have taken place and Joshua is leading these people but they've been confused by so many other things of what used to be back in Egypt what used to be with Moses and now they're under the leadership of Joshua. They have crossed over the Jordan. And they come to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against them. And the Amorites and the Herzites. And they pick up some of these different philosophies of life along the way. And you have to deal with those things. As a father, if you really talk to your children, you will hear many different philosophies. You will hear about marriage. You will hear about family. You will hear it about money. You will hear about racism, you're going to hear many different thoughts on how the employer should treat the employee and what privileges the employee should have. You hear all these different views and sometimes they just don't make sense. And what we have to realize, we have to help them make sense. Out of it. Boy. In a mixed up world. Our job is to help our children. Make sense. Out of what they are hearing. What they are choosing to follow. The choices they are making in life. That can destroy them. Damage them. I want you to hear Joshua here. Picking up. In verse 14 of Joshua 24, he says, now fear the Lord or reverence the Lord. Now, Joshua feared the Lord. He reverenced the Lord. He respected the Lord. And that's a good word for the word fear there, to have a high respect. And they had lost that. And many fathers today, we've lost a high respect for God. We judge the church as something that man runs, that some pastor runs, uh, some deacons run it. And therefore our church had very few men in them. Based on the very fact that men no longer know their positions in life And who they really are before God. You are more than a baby making machine. You are more than just a worker who provides for some woman. You are much more than that. You're more than just a Friday night and Saturday night stand and going out. And you're more than the car that you drive and the clothes that you wear. He says, now fear the Lord. Let me ask how many of you fathers out there really fear the Lord? You fear the Lord, or you have a high reverence for God. I'm not talking about a pastor. I'm not talking about some man. I'm talking about God. That you reverence God. And you respect him. And you show him that respect. And that reverence by obeying him and participating in his church. And you say, oh, Pastor Brown, you're just trying to get us into church. No, 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 no. Church is not going to change you. What's going to change you is the word of God. What's going to bring you into a high respect for yourself and for the person of God is the word of God. And the more you know the word of God, the more you're going to want to serve him. And the higher respect you'll have for him. But here comes the, the real kicker here. You will highly respect yourself because of who you are as representing God. Boy, he will change you. And Joshua's first thing to them is simply this. Now, fear the Lord. They must have lost a respect of God and who God is. And and I see that even in our culture, in our society. There was a time a man would not enter church with his hat on and sit in the congregation with his hat halfway turned around or his cap on. And today, we quote the verse very easily. God doesn't look at the outer. He looks at the inner. But understand the outer can reflect the inner thought and the inner respect that you have for another person. How you then approach them outwardly. And when those individuals who come into church and and you're sitting and you got your hat on and you're disrespecting God's house what are you teaching your son? What are you teaching your daughter? Are you teaching them to fear God, to respect God? And that's something that you have to ask yourself. What are you really teaching your family? Now, to fear of the Lord. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. That's another key word. As a father, God is expecting to serve him faithfully why if we serve him faithfully you will serve God faithfully and your family faithfully if you serve God faithfully you'll be faithful to your wife and to your children if you're unfaithful to God and check this in your own life look at it in society Men who are unfaithful to God wind up being unfaithful to their wife and to their children and to their responsibility. Now, they may be in the house, yes, but they do very little within the house. If you only provide and protect, you're not doing all that God has called you to do. He's called you to be a priest in your home. He's called you to be an educator in your home. He's called you to be an example in your home. He's called you to minister to your children concerning the things of God. And he says, and serve him faithfully. One of the biggest failures with men today is that we don't serve faithfully. Yes, I'm talking about myself also. Yes, I'm a pastor. but I have a lot of failures also. And I thank God for forgiveness. And I think all of us as men, we have to face up to our failures. We have to face up to our weaknesses. And we may see our weaknesses as our failures. But I thank God that His promise is true. That he who has begun a good work in me will continue it until I see Christ face to face. God is still working on me. And as Ephesians 2.10 says, I am his workmanship. I am his workmanship. And he's still working in my life. And as long as I'm here on planet Earth, and as long as I'm here in this flesh, if you have a microscope and you put me under it, you're going to find something in me that is not right, but yet I thank God he's working on it. It can be my temperament. It can be my attitude. It can be someone that I didn't show kindness to. It can be someone who I may not tolerate very much. I'm still learning how to be that Christian that I am, that I'm called to be. And he says to serve him with all faithfulness, with all faithfulness. And he moves on then. He says, throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. You have to choose as a father who you are going to really serve because your children are watching who you serve. They're watching who are you really dedicated to, who are you devoted to, who are you really following, who's really leading you. When you're in a tight jam and you're trying to figure something out, who do you go to? You go to your best friend, Do you go to the bar to get counseling? Do you get it from the barbershop? Do you really get down on your knees even before your kids and pray about your situation? Do your kids know that you pray and talk with God? See, that's the faithfulness. That I'm in communication and I am close to my God. That which I believe. And you have to come to that place where you're willing to demonstrate that in front of your children. And he says, throw away now all which you learned of your forefathers in this area of worshiping God. Throw it away. Throw it away. All that that you learned of the philosophy and the idols that you worshipped in Egypt and how they worshipped. Throw it away. Get rid of it. We could call that getting rid of the world's philosophy. We could call that getting rid of what the world calls dear and sacred and drawing closer to God as men. That we can be the fathers that he's called us to be that's a tough decision to let go of your own opinion if it is not a biblical opinion or a biblical thought or a biblical way to to depart from that you may have a wrong view of marriage you may have a wrong view of finances you may have a wrong view of White people, you may have a wrong view of black people, you may have a wrong view. And God is calling you to get a biblical view. And not to be ashamed of that. And to live that out in front of your family. And and Joshua is challenging him. Get rid of all the old thoughts, all those worldly thoughts, all those Egyptian thoughts. All those things that you learned from your forefathers that may be wrong, get rid of them. But then he moves on and he says, and serve the Lord. The whole thing boils down to this as men. Are you serving the Lord? Are you serving the Lord? Do you want to serve the Lord? Do you desire to serve the Lord? Oh. That's a tough one. Is there a desire in you to serve the Lord? And Joshua says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, is serving the Lord undesirable to you? Or are you one of the men who say, oh, I'm only going to serve the Lord the way I want to. I I serve him because I believe nobody has to go to church uh, to serve the Lord. Well, right there, if God commanded you to go to church and forsaken out the fellowship of one another, and he's talking about the body of Christ, where do you really get your fellowship from? Where do you get your learning from? And some of you are going to say maybe, well, the church is wrong. The church isn't right on all things. And I will agree with you very quickly. But I would say to you, find you a biblical church that stays very close to the word of God, teaches from the word of God, and will allow you to even correct them because you've done a good research on what the word of God actually says. And they're willing to hear you. See, this is not a one way street. When it comes man-to-man, it's never a one-way street. It's a two-way street. We both are communicating to each other. But when you're on your knees before God, it's only really a one-way street. There's no real argument with God. And you're going to hear from Him if you really want to seek truth and know what you are to really do. As a godly man, you're going to hear from me. And Joshua says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable, if there's nothing in you to serve him, would you search yourself and ask the question, why? Why is it that I don't want to know the one who created me? Why is it I don't want to know the one who gave me life? Why is it I don't want to know the one that I will one day have to give an account to. And your philosophy may be, well, there is no God and I'll just go to the grave and that's going to be it. That may be your philosophy. Yes, I don't believe that. And my challenge to you is somebody created all of this. And I believe it is to be the Lord Jesus Christ. That he created and that he is God. And one day you're going to have given account to him. And that's all I'm trying to share with you. That one day you will give an account. But if it's undesirable to even search it out, or to know the truth, or want to know the truth, or to do better than what you're doing in your position as a father, as a priest of your home, as a provider, as someone who educates your family, that there would be a desire to do better. But if he says, if there is seems to be undesirable to you that he says choose for yourself this day who you will serve well there were those who were acting like they were serving God but they were really serving something else an idol some false god they were serving themselves doing what they wanted to do and he challenges them The men, today you choose, you choose to either serve God or you confess and really say, I have no desire of that, but he says you have to make a choice. And some people have said to make no decision is to make a decision. And that's what oftentimes men do. They do not make a decision, not understanding by not making a decision, they have made a decision. And I want you to know that God loves you, God desires you, but the question is do you desire Him? God has made a way for every man to be saved and to be the priest of his home, to be a godly husband, a godly father, someone that the children would honor and respect. God's made all that possible. The question is, do you desire it? And Joshua goes on and he says, you have to choose. Then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the rivers or the gods of the Amorites, there's a philosophy of a different culture, different group, society, in whose land you are living. Now listen to Joshua because this end part is so important. But for me, I will serve the Lord. But for me, I will serve the Lord. Have you ever stated that to anybody? But for me, I will serve the Lord. For myself, I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ and not be swayed. I'm going to believe in the word of God, and I'm not going to be moved from it. I'm going to believe he... Before you can lead a family or lead anyone else, you have to be persuaded that this is exactly what you believe. Not what someone else believes, but this is what you believe. And it's important that you believe it. And you understand it. And you do it. So over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, up in verse 13, he said, it is written. Now, 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 follow the logic here. One is written. So I read it. Now, some people will say, well, this is uh, written by some uh, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, white individual, with all, uh, and all that foolishness. The scripture tells us how this boat was written, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And men were moved as the Holy Spirit led them and guided them. And it says, it is written. Because it's written, I read it, I understood it. He says, I believed. I believed. Just about everything you believe came across you reading it, learning it, someone telling you. And he says, It's written, I believe it. I read it. I understand it. And he says, Therefore I have spoken. You can't speak about what you really don't believe, understand, and are willing to search out. Then I speak. Other than that, you speak like a fool, with no knowledge, but you're speaking because it's your opinion, it's how you think. But Joshua is speaking out of what he knows, and what has been written, and he says, but as for me. I will serve the Lord. Have you ever made that statement to your family? I'm going to serve the Lord. Do they know that? That helps give them direction. That helps picture for them where we're going, who we're trusting in. My dad believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. My dad follows the Lord Jesus Christ. My dad is in the word of God. My dad believes that word of God. My dad lives out that word of God. It gives them a foundation. And he goes on, he says, But as for me, now catch this second part. And my household, who is he speaking for now? Those in his household. Those that he is leading. Those that he is giving the example to those that he is teaching and he says now for me and my household look at the responsibility that he takes my my child my wife my family the responsibility that he takes and he owns it and he says we're going to serve the lord no vote on this no democracy here. It's the father, in a sense, being a dictator saying, We're going to all serve the Lord that's in my house. We're not going to have one who's a Buddhist and one who's a Muslim and one who is a Hindu and one who is this or, or that. In my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Have you ever made that declaration for your house? That your children, your wife, as the leader of your home, as the priest of your home, as the one who teaches in your home, that we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And he comes first. My children, when they were in high school, um, they got a job at McDonald's, two of them. And they worked at the same McDonald's. And the provision that I gave them in order to work at McDonald's was you could not miss church. So your time of working was after one o'clock, after church was over. My son played football, and like I told him, Wednesday night is prayer meeting night, and Wednesday you can't practice. You're going to be at home, for you can go to church. And I had to go up and even explain that to his coach. And I was willing to do that because he's my responsibility and I'm the one who instructed him that he would not be practicing on Wednesdays, but that he would be in church at prayer meeting. Coach couldn't understand that, but again, this is my home. This is my family. And I laid down that responsibility. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Men, you have to pick up your responsibility and be the leader, but also be the example and also be the teacher of the word of God. That's a father's job that's a father's task that's what a father is called to do and he says but as for me and my house he's speaking for everyone in his house his wife his sons his daughters we're going to serve the lord and that is something for him to be able to state and joshua speaks for his whole family Serving the Lord, if it's undesirable, just think of what kind of household you're going to have. Boy, I can't imagine that. You help your children when you serve the Lord. You help them to see life differently. You allow them to see that they can overcome difficulties and problems in life as they follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You save them for so many misfortunes of false teaching that's out here. And there is much to learn about sex, but who's going to teach that? Will it be the father? Does he toss it over to the mother? Does it become the friends who do the teaching? Does it become the school, the health teacher? Does it become society itself or TV? Who's going to teach your children about sex? And the Bible has plenty to say about it, but you got to be in there to learn it. How about the money? What's the real purpose of money? Who's going to teach the purpose of work and finances and responsibility of finances and how it's going to be used? Who's going to teach that? The world? Some financial guru? Where does that information come from? And where does the information come about marriage and family? Does it come from you? Or a world who's confused on what a family is today? And we're all confused on what a man is. We got men calling themselves the wife, we got men calling other men their husbands, we we got women acting in the roles of the man, uh, and got their hair cut like the men, wanna dress like the man, play the role of the man, but not equipped like a man. I I mean we're confused in all of this. So who's gonna really do the teaching? You as a father? And if you teach it, where do you get your instructions from? See, it's the Father who has to do the teaching. Turn to me to Deuteronomy chapter six because we need to see the purpose for it and and how to do it. And it's something that you have to be willing to do. And I want to pick up in verse 3 in Deuteronomy 6. He says, Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly. In a land flowing with milk and honey, that it may go well also with your family. Lord, the God of your father, promised you. Listen to how. Hero Israel, the Lord, our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength these commandments that i give you today are to be upon your heart issues of life flows out of the heart issues of life troubles the heart and the mind he says these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Now listen to me in verse 7. Impress them on your children. Impress them upon your children. Just like a stamping press. It presses a certain image onto a piece of metal. It helps shape the metal. depressed us. As you share the word of God with your children, it puts a print upon their lives. It presses an image on their life. It shapes them. It forms them. And he says, depress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Sometimes it's good to turn the TV off and talk about what? Scripture. To talk about the Lord. To talk about what it is to be saved and why are we saved and what are we saved from. To talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk Along the road, when you're taking family walks, when's the last family walk you've been on with your children? Good time just to talk about what God has created, what God has made from the ant, from the birds, to the different trees, to the grass, to the mountains, to to the sky, to, to the moon, to the stars. Just a good time to talk about how God has created nature and how it is all for the betterment of humanity for man. To just talk about the God who created all this. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It's an ongoing sharing about Jesus Christ. Fathers, in your home. Do you have five, ten minute discussion time about God? Do you ever ask your children the question, what do you think about God? What do you think about this person called Jesus Christ? What do you think about the Holy Spirit? What do you think about one day a me and mom dying and we're in heaven and you're here on earth? What do you think about marriage and Did God originate it or did man originate it? It's good to talk to your children about these things. And you'd be surprised how interesting they are. Their interest kind of like perks up. They want to know. Don't ever think... You cannot direct your children or teach your children. Don't throw up your hands and say, boy, the world my children are living in is just bad, bad. We know that. But teach them. Teach them. Teach them. And they can overcome this world. In Proverbs, in closing, go to Proverbs eight because here comes the area now that you and I have to be willing to say, I'm willing to take responsibility. I'm willing to take on the responsibility of being the one who teaches my family that they might learn. And you may say, well, I don't know how. You know, most families did not have the money to send their kids to some driving school. My dad taught most of my brothers and myself how to drive. My one brother I remember, um, he couldn't read, he was only third grade as far as he got through. And realized that schooling was just not going to really work for him. And went to take the test, the written test. And the state trooper, no, 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 no. just, And my dad interceded and said, sir, he can't read. He can't understand what he's reading. But if you get in that car with him, he can drive a car. And that's what my brother did. For years, that's all he did. He became the chauffeur to Mr. Mack, who owned Universal Ford down on South Main Street in Akron. Then he worked for Spitzer for a good while. And that's all he did was drive, 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 drive. He could drive a car. But my dad taught him. Listen to what it says in verse 8 of Proverbs 1. Listen, my son, to your fathers. Fathers, how often do you sit and talk to your children just to learn from them, to hear what's going on in their life? To know what their thoughts are and how they might see life and their perspectives of life and what might be their dreams and their goals. And then to impart just a few words of godly wisdom, godly knowledge of the Word of God. Listen, my son, but oftentimes, in order to be listened to, you must also learn to. Listen. Listen to your children. Don't chalk everything up as foolishness. And they think they know everything. Yes, they do. But listen to them. In order that you might be able to make corrections or share some wisdom or give a different view. Listen, my son, to your father's instructions. Listen to his what? His instructions. Make it up in your mind as a father. You're going to instruct your children. You're going to teach your children. You're going to help your children to learn. You're going to help your children to go after their dreams, to learn of their dreams, to really run after that which is part of their heart and their life. Uh, You're going to teach them how to go after their talents. So many people will tell them what they can't do. You got to be the one who says you can do. And if you understand what God does for me and for you and everyone else who names the name of Jesus, he says you can do. All things are possible with me. You can do it. You can do it. You can overcome it. And he allows us the privilege of achieving some of our dreams and our hopes and our desires. He encourages us and he teaches us and he leads us. Would you be such a father who is able to instruct your children in the right ways of life? Through the word of God. Happy Father's Day. Be encouraged. But if you're a father without Jesus Christ. Would you be example to your children. By accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just to just do something to do it. But to do it because you know your heavenly father. Wants you to walk with him. Your Heavenly Father wants you to obey Him. And you're able to share that even with your children. That you're not the end of all. But you have discovered someone who you can go to when you have problems. You have to get permission sometimes from your Heavenly Father to do what you're going to do. And there are times that you weep. Before him. For the wrong that you have done. See. uh, We're still children too. And we have a heavenly father. Who wants us to come home. And live with him. And he's made it possible through Jesus Christ. Well I want to thank you. For listening to me. Hearing me. And I want to challenge you again. Be the godly father that God intended you to be. Have a wonderful, happy Father's Day. God bless you. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. May we be men who be like Joshua, who can say, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Make that feasible, and possible in many of our lives today, that as we sit and talk with our children and our wives, we would make that covenant with you, that this house is going to serve the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Goodbye.